Last week we asked you a question, how many of you are working from home? How many of you are going into the office? And the stat of the day, Pastor Brian, is 67% are working from home and 33% are going into the workplace. And so that's your stat of the day uh, today. We'll probably roll out some more questions as the weeks uh, unfold. Uh, also, let me just ask you, if you have a piece of paper and a pencil, go ahead and grab that. I want to ask you to jot something down in a little bit. If you don't, uh, just maybe notes in your phone uh, might be helpful or on your laptop. Well, if you're able, let me invite you to launch or turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 3, uh, 31 through 35. If you are uh, listening later online and you want, you're driving or you're exercising, uh, you get a pass, you can just listen along. Mark's gospel opens fast and furious. Already in the opening pages, we see Jesus engaging in his healing ministry. He's gathering his team. Uh, he attended a party of tax collectors and sinners. We talked about that last week. Crowds are swarming him wherever he goes. By the way, he may be the first recorded remote worker in that he never had a fixed office, but he worked everywhere. Homes and hillsides, temples, lakes, boats, you name it, he worked anywhere. So Jesus is busy at work as Mark's Gospel opens up. He's throwing down some serious teaching, and then guess what happened? You, you know what happened? His family showed up at work. Can you imagine that? His family shows up at work. Now, when family shows up at work, it usually is pretty interesting. So here's how it went down. Jesus is teaching in a house, and then the text reads, then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Will you pray with me? Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. Melt us, mold us, fill us, use us. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. Amen. Well, take out your sheet of paper and a pen or a pencil, and let me just ask you to do something. Again, if you're listening while driving or exercising, uh, you can just make mental notes here. But question number one is, what was the last major decision you faced? Question number two, how did you make it? It's not hard to imagine some of the answers to question number one. For some, this may have had something to do with your career. I know a lot of people are trying to discern right now if they're able to work remotely, should they consider living somewhere else where there's a lower cost of living? That's a huge decision. Others may be considering retooling and going back to school. Others may be facing decisions about aging parents, retirement dates, or whether to commit to the military for another tour of duty. Parents are constantly facing big decisions with their children. I know recently in our family, we had a, a huge decision that we had to make rather quickly. Our little dog, Marley, that you can see on the screen there, uh, had been quite ill. And we had to decide whether to pursue medical treatment, he's 12 and a half, or just simply keep him and make him as comfortable as possible. 
For those of you who don't have pets and don't feel like this is a big decision, trust me, I understand. Uh, no criticism there. Right, for those of you who do have pets, you know that this can be a pretty big decision. They become part of the family. Well, this was a tough one for us. And on a scale of 1 to 10, we'd probably call this a 7 or 8. Well, we went ahead uh, with treatment. And uh, while he's not out of the woods uh, for the long term, he's certainly doing uh, better now. He's happy. He's comfortable. The point is, it was a hard decision that we had to make really quickly. But we had peace that we pursued the right course of action. It was a gut check type of decision for us. When we come to these big decisions in life, we want guidance from God. Alan, you can go ahead and uh, take that slide off of uh, Marley there. Uh, But when we come to these big decisions, uh, we want guidance. We want direction from God. We want to do God's will in any given situation. And this is good for us. Because did you get what the text said here? Jesus said, when we do the will of God, we become close to Him. We become like His family. As we follow Him and align our heart with His heart, as we engage His mission in the world, our bond with Jesus it becomes really tight. We often hear about military personnel who are working close together with a strong sense of mission, and they become part of a family. They're pursuing a common agenda, and the stakes are really high. It's no wonder that the epic World War II PBS special was titled Band of Brothers. We hear this promise today for the disciple of Jesus. We have such a powerful mission, and the stakes are so high that when we live in pursuit of the will of God for our lives, we form a bond with Him and with one another And it becomes like family. So the question before us then is how can we discern the will of God? How can we understand God's direction? This little vignette from the life of Jesus offers a few clues. And I want to explore two sort of general principles about seeking to discern God's will uh, from this little vignette. And then one from the whole of Scripture And I believe that these three principles will put us in a position to better discern God's will for our lives. The first is this. It's the principle of proximity. The text tells us that Jesus was inside teaching and He was in some deep, deep teaching waters. How can Satan drive out Satan? A house divided against itself cannot stand. Anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit cannot be forgiven. Now, technically in this context, this meant to accuse Jesus of being demon-possessed instead of spirit-filled. In a broader sense, the unpardonable sin is to stay in a state of unbelief and to deny the work of the Holy Spirit to draw you to salvation. Like I said, heavy, heavy stuff. Jesus is wading through here. Then lo and behold, here comes His family. And they're looking for Him. Now, at first, it looks like he's throwing shade on his family, but he's not. He asks, who are my mother and brothers? Then he looks at those who are seated in a circle around him in the house there, and he said, here they are. Here they are. This is my family. Those who do the will 
of God. Now let's not overlook the obvious here. Sometimes we do that when we get into Scripture. We overlook the obvious lesson. And that is God's will is going to be best discerned sitting at the feet of Jesus. Have you ever been in worship, whether online or or when we've been in person here, and the Lord speak to you as you have been opening God's Word or maybe in a Bible study? Often, we can discern God's will. God speaks to us in those powerful moments when when we have our minds and our hearts opened to His Word. Now, there are two applications to this principle of proximity. Before God does a work through you, He wants to do a work in you. Before God does a work through you, He wants to do a work in you. Does anybody remember those magic eight balls you might have had as a kid? Anybody remember those at all? You would shake the eight ball and the decision would come up and the little triangle in the eight ball would have these uh, answers, these uh, answers, and I guess everybody got the same answers. Some of the answers were like, it is certain. Well, well, you know, that's interesting. Or ask again later. Or better not try now. Or how about that? You finish with it, and then you put it away for another decade or so. Some people invite God into their decision-making process in the same way. Rather than sitting at the feet of Jesus in their life, they try to pull God off the shelf, shake a little bit, and hopefully get an answer for the decision that they have to face that day. And there's no relationship cultivated here. This is not what God wants. God wants to be in a daily, intimate relationship with you. Just again, picture those people sitting at the feet of Jesus. The greatest desire God has over your life is for your life to be submitted to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's job then is to form you into the character and nature of Jesus. And as you become more and more like Jesus, you go closer and deeper in your love and affection for God. If you're listening today and you're not a Christian, the first thing God wants for you, the first part of God's will for your life is for you to place your life in the hands of Jesus and trust Him. Remember, before God works through you, God God wants to work in you. If you're a Christian and you have fallen away, what God wants for you is to come home. Hear the Word of grace today. God wants you home. There's nothing that you've done that can make God love you less. And there's nothing we can do to make God love us more. He just flat out loves us and so hear this god wants to shape you and work in you before god works through you that's a powerful part of his will for your life is to draw close to him the second application of this principle of proximity is that god has a general will for your life revealed to you in his word picture these people listening to jesus he's teaching them about the rule, and the way of God. We can discern so much of God's will for our lives just directly from the pages of Scripture. And what we see lined out in the pages of Scripture is God wants us to pursue His character. God wants to pursue, and God wants us to pursue 
His mission. God's mission in the world is for people to know Him. His mission is to show mercy and compassion and love. His mission in the world is to reconcile people to Him and to, and to one another. His mission in the world is to see what is wrong and make it right. So if you see something wrong, it's God's will for you to be a part of making it right. If you see someone who doesn't know Christ, it's part of God's will for your life to bear witness to Christ in, to them. We don't need to wonder if God wants us to pursue integrity. God does. We don't have to wonder if God wants us to forgive the person that wronged us. God does. We don't have to wonder if God wants us to support God's work in the world. God does. It is the principle of proximity. We discover a great deal of the will of God simply by placing our life in proximity to Him, sitting at His feet, opening His Word, and becoming and drawing closer to Him. And so the first thing I want you to grab here is that if you're wondering about God's will for your life in a certain area, make sure you say, okay, Lord, first and foremost, I want to draw closer and closer to You as I seek to make this decision. So the question here, am I seeking God's will at the feet of Jesus? Now the second principle here is the principle of sacrifice. Let's go back to our story. Jesus' mother and brothers come looking for Him. They sent word for Him, and we actually don't know if He eventually went out to them or not. The implication here is that He stayed put. Now, let's put ourselves in the sandals of Jesus for a minute. Let's say you're at work, and your mother sends word that she needs to see you. I grew up in the South, and Mama, when Mama calls, at least back in my day, you better heed the call. However, I digress. My point here is we don't have any evidence that Jesus' family will not eventually get His mission. There is nothing here in the story to indicate that they were up to no good. It would have been a good thing for Jesus to take a break and greet His mother and brothers. That would have been a good thing. But He chose something better. The principle of sacrifice. When it comes to knowing and doing the will of God in your life, we will be called, you will be called to make sacrifices. And most often, we will be called to sacrifice something good for that which is better. Let me say that again. We will often be called to sacrifice something good for that which is better. Noah sacrifices good reputation to build an ark in the middle of a drought. Abram sacrificed all he knew to be stable and certain, a good living. And he left his father's household to follow God's call. The disciples left their way of life to follow Jesus, sacrificing something good for something better. Not rocking the boat with friends and colleagues can be a good thing, but Jesus may be calling you to rock the boat a little bit and to share your faith in a winsome way. This is the better road. Being acknowledged for a job well done is a good thing. But maybe Jesus is calling you to share credit and even give a little of your credit to a colleague who is struggling. Stowing away a little extra money in the 401k is a good thing. 
Yet maybe God is calling you to help a friend in need financially. Having strong political ideas can be a good thing. But maybe God is calling you to set them aside and to to keep them to yourself so that you can build a bridge to share Jesus, which is more important. It's the better way. Sharing the saving grace of Jesus. Just this past week, I shared with my table group about a conversation that I had with my 88-year-old dad recently. My my dad, he told me this, I think it was Monday of this week, he lives uh, on on a really tight budget. Okay, That's not what he told me, but uh, he told me this story. He lives on a really tight budget, and he told me that he had a $20 bill tucked away in a little envelope, and he had it in his car. And he went to the store, and he he got a, a few groceries, and as he left the store, he was driving, and he saw this man who was uh, asking for money uh, on the side of the road like we see uh, around here often. And Dad said he just kept going. He drove, and he drove a mile or two. And he said, he said Phil, he said, I can tell you just as, as plain as day, God told me to turn the car around, to go back, and give that man the $20. And so he turned the car around, and he went back. And, and it, he stopped, and he rolled down the window, and he asked the man, he said, sir, are you a Christian? Now, he didn't ask that in a judgmental way, because he was going to give him the money no matter what, but he asked that question because he wanted to know if he needed to share Christ first. And the man said, yeah, I, I, I am a Christian, but I've gotten away from God. And then my dad said, well, I hope you will get on your knees and make it right with God, but I want to give you this $20. Because the Lord told me to. That's a beautiful story. $20 goes a long way for my dad on his fixed income. That's an incredible inspiration to me. He chose something better. And he sacrificed something good. And you know what? His joy is infinite now. Far more than money can buy. He listened. And he obeyed God's call. He did God's will. He listened and obeyed. And he sacrificed. You see, when when we say yes to God's call to sacrifice, God then gives us more direction and more leadership. Remember, Abraham said yes, and then God showed him the way. So what God is looking for is God gives us his will. As God reveals his will, is okay, is there proximity here? Will they even hear my voice? Are they close to me? And then are they someone who's willing to, to sacrifice something good for even that which is better? That's the second question for you to consider. Now, the third principle here is one I think we grab from the whole of Scripture, and it's one I simply call the principle of the compass. This last idea is not specifically spelled out in this passage But let me explain this principle of the compass. There are times when God gives us direction and guidance like a GPS. Go 300 yards this way, turn left, then turn right. That's GPS type directions. You hear it all the time uh, when you're listening to your GPS. God called Noah to build the ark. And then God gave Noah very GPS type instructions how. God called Moses to lead the people out of slavery in Egypt. And then God was very specific and gave GPS-type instructions to convince Pharaoh. 
And God may give you at times GPS-type guidance. Go here, do that, turn left, then turn right. However, more often than not, God gives you a compass rather than a GPS. A compass points us in a certain direction, and then we follow a path. And maybe it's even more than one possible path that takes us and gets us in that direction. A compass may point us north. And let's say there's a pond in between where we are and where we need to go. A compass will not tell us go to the left or to the right of that pond or to take a boat across the pond. The compass just says there's north and you've got this many different ways to get there. And it will just keep reminding us where north is. You never know. You may choose to cross the pond in a boat. Just keep heading north. So what does this mean? Often when it comes to God's will, there's more than one right answer. There can be more than one right job, more than one right college to attend, one right strategy, one right home to buy or to rent, more than one right parenting approach, and more than one right way to deal with aging parents. What God wants you to do in each of these situations is to keep heading toward Him. Keep heading toward Him. Take the steps toward Him in that decision you have to make. Use your common sense. Stay prayed up and in His Word and keep moving toward Him. I remember approaching a friend of mine about a decision that I had to make and this friend said to me, Phil, the Lord gave you a lot of leadership when He gave you common sense. In other words, use your common sense, stay prayed up, and lay this decision, make this decision and lay it at the feet of God. A compass rather than a GPS. A general direction rather than a script. The disciples in Acts, for example, after Jesus ascended to be with the Father, He told the disciples to do what? He told them to wait for step-by-step instructions? No. He told them to wait for power from on high. They received it. Then filled with the Holy Spirit, they just scattered geographically. Yet they followed the same direction toward the will and the pleasure of God. So question number three, am I prepared to receive a compass in a GPS world? You know, there's so much information coming at us from so many different directions, like a GPS. But are you prepared to receive a compass in this GPS world? If no, you're not, go back to the principle of proximity and spend more time at the feet of Jesus. Then you'll have a better sense of the direction that God wants you to head as the many paths open in front of you. Knowing and doing the will of God. This is what this series has been all about. We have been seeking to align our hearts with the heart of God. Why? so that we can know and do what He wants us to do. Amen and amen. Let's pray together.
Lord God, we give You thanks. Lord, for Your first order of, of Your will in our lives, and that is for us to be in relationship with You. So God, I thank You so much for loving us so much that You gave Jesus to die for us so that we might live in Him and to do Your will and to be part of Your family. So God, I pray if there's anyone listening to this message today, Lord, if they're not Lord, in a relationship with You, I pray that they would open their hearts to the gracious, generous love and mercy of Jesus. Lord, and they would seek Your salvation, their forgiveness of sin, and Your life. Lord, I pray for those who may be far away from You today. Sort of like that, that man that, that my dad talked to. Lord, I pray for anyone who is away from You that they would return home. They'd find Your mercy and Your grace. They would return to Your feet and discover your good and perfect will for their lives. Lord, we, each one of us, we have multiple decisions every day. And Lord, I pray that You would continue to ask us, continue to work in us, continue to seek us out toward Your mission. Continue to issue that call and ask us to follow You. Because we know, God, as we do, that You draw near to us Lord, and You bless us. And You create within us this bond of being Your children, of being brothers and sisters together in pursuit of You. So Lord, we thank You for Your mission, Your call in our lives. And may we commit our lives to doing Your will. In Jesus' name, we pray and we ask. Amen.